Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Wednesday afternoon. Nice to see the sun shining, although it remains rather chilly out there with the wind. Be aware of that as you're heading around town today. Thanks so much for uh, making part of your day with us. Uh, We appreciate it. This half hour, we've had lots of conversations about marijuana because we have to have lots of conversations. There's so many different aspects to what our world is going to look like when recreational marijuana is legalized. And we know uh, yesterday, uh, a city hall committee looking at where it can be consumed. I hope to be able to save a bit of time this hour to share my thoughts on that and hear from you on that as well. But we know we've got to answer where is it going to be sold? Who can buy it? How old are they going to be? I want to spend this half hour talking about the workplace because that is another big question that comes about when we talk about legalized marijuana. Once it's legalized, what about workplace safety? And what rules will companies follow when it comes to testing employees? Because I know a lot of you, you you've texted me before. I, I You work right now in a workplace where you have to be tested for drugs, Um, That could be marijuana. Um, A lot of people who work in the oil patch have faced these tests as well. But what is it going to look like once marijuana is legalized? I want to tackle that with Sarah Lehman, criminal defense lawyer, chair of the board at Pace Society in Vancouver's downtown east side. Sarah, thanks so much for making some time for us. Thank you so much for having me. There are so many questions around legalized marijuana, but with you, I wanted to focus on exactly how workplaces are going to deal with employees because the substance is legal. We know right now that some workplaces, because of safety concerns, already test their employees. So do we have to come up with new laws or do we just work within the existing framework? Well, that is the million-dollar question right now. And the federal government actually set up a task force, a committee, that was dedicated to trying to answer this question. And unfortunately, it was just a few weeks ago that this committee came out and said, we can't do it. We've basically reached a stalemate, and we don't know what to do. So one thing is clear. This issue is not going to be addressed at a federal level um, prior to the legalization of cannabis in this country. So it is going to be something that's going to be left up to the provinces or maybe individual workplaces in order to impose their own policies. Um, But we're not going to get any big answers from the federal government. Sarah, do you have any idea? And I know you weren't part of that task force, so you don't know what they were thinking. But do you have any inkling why they reached this stalemate? Was it just they said that it's got to be dealt with at different levels of government? Well, I would hazard to guess that that was probably one element. I mean, it's very tricky for the federal government to impose laws um, on provinces um, because, Mm -hmm. of course, that would be unconstitutional. So that's one difficulty. But I would guess that the main difficulty here has to do with impairment. I mean, how are we supposed to regulate for marijuana impairment in the workplace? Drug testing just simply shows that a person has THC in their system. That doesn't necessarily mean they're impaired by it. So the question comes back to how can we actually deal with the issue of impairment? And they just couldn't come up with a reasonable answer. 
And would that be a similar conundrum that we're facing then when we talk about driving while smoking legalized or, you know, consuming legalized marijuana? It's pretty much exactly the same difficulty, yes. And um, that's something that I have been involved uh, with at the federal government level. I just went to Ottawa um, to speak in front of the Senate on this issue, and I appeared before the House of Commons on this issue as well. And in hearing the testimony of forensic scientists and other consultants to the government, time and time again, they're just being told, you know, a level of THC in a user's system does not correspond with a level of impairment. So it's really difficult for the government to impose sanctions, at least from a federal level, for marijuana and marijuana use. Mm. That, that's going to be so interesting because, uh, yes, we're talking about workplace safety here, but we know the other issue is driving. And it's one thing if you have a blood alcohol level of a certain uh, number that there is a correlation between your impairment. But it's just not the same. We're hearing from experts then. Is that what you're saying, Sarah, when it comes to THC levels? That's exactly it. So alcohol is a very simple molecule, relatively speaking. It's water-soluble, and so what that means is that each person kind of metabolizes that in a particular way, which makes it so that we can say that every person who has a certain level of alcohol in their bloodstream is impaired by that level of alcohol. The same cannot be said for THC. It's a fat-soluble molecule. Your body will store it for much longer, long after the effects have worn off, and it also depends on how frequently a person uses it. So medical marijuana users, for instance, um, or heavy recreational users of marijuana are going to have a much higher level of THC in their system at any given time. That does not necessarily mean that they're impaired. When we think of impairment, and uh, police will often say, well, regardless of the blood alcohol level, we always do a sobriety. Well, we always, they can do the sobriety test, the roadside sobriety test. So the idea of walking a line and touching your nose and all those other simple things. Do you think we could see a a similar test then? At least forget about the the actual number or level of THC. We have to be able to have some kind of a, a guideline as to how we identify impairment. Yes, and we actually do have that, at least at a criminal level or a policing level. Uh, Police officers use what we call standardized field sobriety tests in order to determine whether a driver is impaired by drugs at the roadside. And if they come to the conclusion based on those tests that the person is, they can ask for um, a bodily sample or else they could call in a drug recognition expert in order to conduct further tests. Now, how that's going to translate into the workplace, Mm, I really don't know. I don't think it's possible for us to have drug recognition experts in the workplace. Right, because they'd have to go through that whole process. Because right now, and and I'm getting a, a number of texts coming in right now, but I know that a lot of workplaces have tests um, before, while marijuana is still illegal, that some employees say that I have to watch, because I know it can be in my system for 30 days, that I have to ensure that I'm not going to have any marijuana. So I, I, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking these workplaces have those rules, but it's all going to change then because suddenly marijuana is legal. That's right. So it's going to be a whole new ballgame. And I know that many workplaces, particularly safety-sensitive workplaces, yeah. do want to do those, those kinds of tests on their employees, uh, but they're restricted in when they can do them and how they can do them. So um, I, I 
foresee that we're probably not going to see very much of a change uh, once marijuana is legal. I do still think that what's going to happen is that employers might be able to ask employees to submit to a drug test if there's an actual incident at work, Mm. if they think the person is actually impaired or even in near-miss situations. But other than that, I think it's an invasion into a person's Mm. privacy. And is that why I was about to say, what about just a random test? Would the random test go into that area of an invasion of uh, personal of privacy? I'm inclined to say that they would. And from my reading of the law, it appears that the courts are on side with that. I know this was a big issue recently when it came to Suncor uh, trying to randomly drug test yeah. employees. And the court said, no, you can't do that. It's an unnecessary and unreasonable invasion into a person's personal liberties. Hmm. So again, it comes to balancing uh, the needs of the community with individual rights. And I think that in these kinds of cases, individual rights are going to weigh out. Sarah, when you were listening in Ottawa to expert uh, opinion when it comes to just trying to tie in a THC level with a level of impairment, did they touch on secondhand smoke at all? Because we do get uh, a lot of questions from our listeners saying, can I be impacted by secondhand smoke? And I know this isn't your area of expertise, Sarah, but I was just curious if you've heard because, you know, some people might take a smoke break and maybe the day is going to be where they go outside to have their smoke break and my call colleague has uh, marijuana. Is that going to impact me? There was a little bit of discussion around this phenomenon, and they call it passive inhalation when it comes to the scientific community. Mm -hmm. And it seems that passive inhalation is a real thing, but that it's not normally to such a degree that THC would stay in the body for a long period of time because you're not really getting that much of it, Mm -hmm. and you certainly won't end up being impaired by it. But, you know, it could be a risk. Again, this is so specific to the individual, their own chemical makeup, and so on and so forth, that it could put somebody in a very dangerous situation. We still don't know. Uh, We know that the July 1st date has been bumped back, so we're not quite sure when this is all going to roll out. And we hear from different levels of um, whether it be municipalities, provincial governments, they keep telling the government they're moving too quickly on this. This would almost be a good argument to say, do we have a, a clear plan in place? Because I'm sure there's a lot of workplaces that are saying, now how do we deal with marijuana? Absolutely. And I know this is a concern that's been raised again and again by FETCO, which of course are the federally regulated um, employees dealing with transportation and communication. And they time and time again have said that they have big concerns around this. And they're advocating for not just random drug testing, but my understanding is also random workplace uh, testing um, as well. So extending beyond even, you know, a driver in a motor vehicle, somebody who's driving a long haul transport truck but also somebody who's on a work site could be tested. So I know that's um, a position that is out there. It's just one that's going to be very difficult to legislate and ultimately enforce. Sarah, uh, thanks a lot for starting the conversation on this. We appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Sarah Lehman, she's a criminal defense lawyer, and uh, she is part of the Pace Society in Vancouver's downtown east side which has seen its share of drug issues. But I need to get some feedback from you. 403-974-8255. We know that there's a lot of workplaces that have drug testing, that you have to give samples. And we've heard it before about how cocaine gets out of your system quickly. It's not as big a deal. Marijuana, it's a different story. It'll be a different story when marijuana is legalized. 
because so I have a legal product in my system, just like alcohol would be legal. And I'm I would understand that at least with alcohol, a workplace could say you're over 0.08, you know, therefore you are impaired. But as Sarah is pointing out, and we've heard this before, there isn't that same guideline, so to speak, if you've got a level of THC in your system. That doesn't necessarily say you are impaired. It is going to be very tricky. And we've, we've talked to um, people who test employees. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the expert that we had on that talked about the different level of the THC. But now it seems they are leaning more and more towards the fact that that does not necessarily prove impairment. So as she said, with police, they can have the field sobriety test and then bring someone in to take a, a sample. But would companies be able to have that kind of backup and resources as well 403-974-8255 your thoughts and texts after this